This is a special edition of the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Uh, we're here today on Sunday, January 12th, 2020. I'm Donald Ware, and uh, on Thursday we lost a true HBCU legend, Roscoe Nance, former writer with the Clarion Ledger, former USA Today NBA writer, SWAC Hall of Famer, very integral uh, with respect to the Black College Football Hall of Fame, passed away on Thursday at the age of 71. Roscoe was a real true friend of mine, a mentor, uh, as a matter of fact, and uh, one of a kind, old school, um, you know, very detailed. I mean, I can't say enough about Roscoe. Well, uh, back in 2015, had a chance to talk with him um, really, we we talked about a number of different things, but really uh, about his life and his life's work. And it was a uh, it was a tremendous interview. I had a chance to go back and listen to it. Uh, it was great. And this should tell you uh, a lot about what you need to know about Roscoe Nance from a professional standpoint. Now, it doesn't tell the whole story, doesn't tell uh, who Roscoe Nance was, all the many people that he helped along the way, a lot of the especially some of the young, uh, at least, you know, going back to maybe the 90s uh, or the 2000s, uh, black NBA writers um, that you see or saw at respective places, a lot of them um, uh, have uh, old Roscoe Nance quite a bit, quite frankly. So uh, without further ado, uh, I'm going to let you listen to the interview uh, that I had with Roscoe Nance going back to 2015. As we continue here on from the press box to press room, we're talking with uh, a gentleman that have done uh, tremendous things throughout the course of their career on the line and got a friend of mine on the line, as a matter of fact. And this gentleman, I mean, you know, you've heard from him on this show when we first started talking to him. Of course, he was a, an NBA reporter for USA Today. Uh, he has uh, then moved on, of course, to... Uh, be a, a writer for the uh, the uh, MiacSports.com, SWAC.org, and also Black America Web. But before all of that, before all of that, he was writing about HBCU football and HBCU sports. As a matter of fact, he's a 1971 graduate of Tuskegee and just was inducted into the SWAC Hall of Fame, Roscoe Nance, Joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Roscoe, congratulations, man, and welcome back to the program. Thank you so much, my friend. I feel quite uh, blessed and honored to be recognized like this. Man, what what a – and it's so deserved. I mean, I, you know, we've talked over the years, and I've learned so much from you, and you know how it is, man. Young guys think they know it all but don't know much of anything. And, I mean, you know, you – what did it mean, first of all, to – when you heard, that you were inducted into the SWAC Hall of Fame? Well, initially, you know, I, I was very humbled because I didn't didn't expect it, even though I knew that I had been, you know, nominated. Uh, you know, I just didn't expect it, for, you know, for, for various reasons, uh, and one of which is that, you know, you know, the things that I did and what I wrote about and as it pertained to the conference, you know, it wasn't, that wasn't even on on my radar or anything like this, any kind of recognition or anything. You know, I just looked at it as doing a job and, you know, tr- just 
just telling the conference's story and its coaches and athletes and all the people involved. So uh, it, 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 it warmed my heart to know that, um, you know, what I did was appreciated and uh, that I did a fairly decent job, I guess, you know, because most times as, as writers and in the media, you know, you, you, as you well know, uh, the only time people, you know, give you any kind of attention at all is when they're, you know, complaining or criticizing something that you wrote. So it was quite humbling. Yeah, no, I, no, you're right. I mean, I think you, 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 you hit it right on the head. And, I mean, one of the things I didn't mention, and, and I guess how did you kind of get your start? I mean, I guess – you know, more prominently, you were writing for the Clarion Ledger, which still does a, a, to this day. I mean, and I, I would have to say that you probably, you know, started this with the whole coverage, especially of of Jackson State. The Clarion Ledger still does an outstanding job of that. And I would have to think part of that was because of you. But, you know, how did you get started uh, in terms of in this in this newspaper business? Well, actually, uh I started uh, the uh, summer after my senior year in high school in Union Springs, Alabama. I was did a, a weekly, just general uh, commentary type column for the uh, Union Springs Herald, and then from there, when I went to Tuskegee, uh, I became uh, sports editor for the uh, Campus Digest, the uh, the uh, school newspaper, and that's really where I got. You know, involved in in, in sports writing. Uh, you know, writing about the teams and games and athletes at Tuskegee. Uh, it was just kind of a, I suppose, a natural fit because uh, sports and writing were, you know, I guess, two of my real, real joys. I wasn't much of an athlete, but I loved you know sports and uh, I, I just you know was always involved in it. You know, trying to play and reading about, you know, athletes and games, and you know, just so, trying to soak up, um, you know, everything I could about about sports. And, um, and and I guess the writing aspect of it is just something that I enjoy doing. So, you know, putting the two together, you know, really, uh, for me, was not like, you know, work. It was, it was fun. It was a joy, you know, to do things that you, that, 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 that you really enjoy doing and to get paid for it. I mean, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get any better than that. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, and and by the way, we should mention you're the now you're the first um, Swack Hall of Famer that didn't play, uh, that wasn't an athlete. So that 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 is that correct? Well, not necessarily not an athlete, but not really involved with the conference. Uh, you know, didn't didn't work for the conference or attend the conference um, conference uh, member school. Right. Or compete as an athlete or a coach. A coach, right? Man, that is that is tremendous. So, you know, obviously you were you know covering um, so much, and and you know, take us back to the the days of you know like Steve McNair and when 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 Jerry Rice and so forth were at Mississippi Valley State. I mean, those were some golden times, especially when it relates uh, to the SWAC and HBCU football. I went to uh, the Clarion Ledger in 1978, and uh, you know that was just after the Walter Payton era, after the shortly after the Doug Williams era. But they still, you know, were getting a ton of uh, 
great athletes. You know, the uh, SEC schools uh, had just started to recruit uh, black athletes, uh, but not in the numbers uh, that they do now. Uh, so they were still getting the uh, those uh, real blue chip athletes. And I, I remember uh, uh, Jeffrey Moore, uh, who's also going into the Hall of Fame this year, uh, and Perry Harrington, the two running backs at uh, at Jackson State the first year I was there. Both of those guys ran for uh, more than a thousand yards in the same season. Uh, and you know, the Jackson State had you no know, Chris Burkett, who went on to the NFL as a receiver, Buster Barnett, uh, you know Larry Cowan, who went on to play in Canada, uh, Otis Brown, who was drafted by the Cardinals. I mean. You just—I mean, it was just so many, so many uh, guys. You know, and I, I used to joke that you know you could walk on a a swag campus and, and, and shake a tree, and you know, three or four uh, NFL draft picks would fall out. I mean, it was just that much talent floating around. And but down at Alcorn, you had guys like uh, Roy Neal Young, the defensive back who played for the Eagles, and Leslie Frazier, who you know, won a Super Bowl ring with the Bears, and uh, Ike Holt, who played for the Cowboys and the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I mean, and it, and it, you know, you could just go through the conference and, uh, you know, you had guys like that uh, that just were, just were, you know, phenomenal talent. And it, was, it wasn't just in football. You know, you had, you know, tremendous uh, athletes in basketball as well. You know, Machine Gun Harry Kelly out of Texas Southern and uh, uh, Larry Smith, who was one of the top rebounders in the country and went on to play for a number of years in the NBA. So, uh, you know, Tony Murphy at Southern, who was a really prolific scorer, uh, and those teams at Alcorn that went on to the NCAA tournaments and, uh, you know, did so well. So it was just a, a fantastic period of time. And, you know, and not, and not to mention the coaches, uh, you know, you had the, the, the greatest minds uh, in the game, you know, from, uh, First and foremost, uh, you know Eddie Robinson at uh, Grambling. We all know, you know about of his accomplishments and uh, Marino Cassum, you know, at Horn, you know who, you know, was just a, a masterful defensive coach and uh, uh, Archie Cooley up at Valley and W. C. Gordon. Uh, just so many, so many uh, great athletes and coaches. And in basketball, Dave Whitney and Paul Covington and Bob Moreland at Texas Southern. Uh, you know, I mean, it was just a great time to be a sports writer uh, covering swag. Man, no question about it. That the voice of Roscoe Nance, now a swag Hall of Famer, also of note, a very int- uh, instrumental uh, in the Black College Football uh, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, and all of the things that go along with that. As he joins us here on from the press box to press row and. You were the Roscoe, the first black sports writer for the Clarion Ledger, and as you mentioned that back in the late seventies, what you know, what was that experience like? Well, actually, it was. I had no problems. I mean, you know, that was you know, people you know think of Mississippi and you think of uh, Emmett Till and James Meredith and you know Ross Barnett, the the, the, the racist. Uh, Governor and things like that, but uh, I mean, I was welcomed. Uh, I was welcomed there, and, and uh, I, I give uh, Tom Patterson, uh, who was the executive uh, sports editor for the uh, Clarion Ledger and Jackson Daily News at the time, a lot of credit uh, because you know when he 
you know, was recruiting me to come to to, to, to Jackson. You know, race never never came up. I mean, it was not mentioned one time. And 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 looking in, in the way, I mean, he treated me and all the guys on that staff you know, treated me, you know, just like they would treat, you know, any other uh, any other uh, their, their their coworkers. And uh, you know, if I screwed up. You know, he took me to task. You know, if I did a good job, he complimented me, and, and they were all that way. You know, so it, it was the only <laughs> the only uh, incident that that occurred. And it was looking back, it was kind of comical. Um, at the uh, I was having lunch at the Sheraton Hotel in, in downtown Jackson with uh, Eddie Payton and Rod Phillips and Vernon Perry and some other Jackson State uh, guys. You know, who played in it were playing in the NFL at that time. And they were home doing the off season, so I was meeting them for lunch. And I got there a little early, and I know I was waiting for them in the lobby. And you know, I was dressed for work, you know, had you no know, shirt and tie. And, uh, so now I was standing near the elevator, and uh, the, the elevator door opened, and this uh, older gentleman and a younger guy, you know, maybe in his forties, uh, got off. And the older gentleman looked at me and said to me. Uh, he, why don't you take my bags? And the uh, younger guy said, "No, no, no, Dad. He's not the uh, the, the bellhop. You know, he's here. You know, at the hotel as a guest." But and I, I was it was so shocking to me. I didn't know I didn't know what to say. You know, <laughs> right. I was just speechless because I mean, but you know, in 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 hindsight, you know, I can understand where the older gentleman was coming from because he came up in an era. Where you know in Mississippi, if you were at a hotel, you had to be there, you know, in a work capacity. Right. But uh, you know, it was, it's, 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 it's funny to me now. <laughs> but I was I was really left speechless. But uh, other than that, like I said, uh, you know, I had a, I had a great time, had a great run in Jackson, met some wonderful people, uh, many of whom you know I'm still close to and speak with often. Wow. And then, you know, and, and that's the beauty of it because it didn't stop there for you. And you were able to, you know, take your experiences uh, from the your college days uh, at Tuskegee with the student newspaper to the Inquirer in, uh, out of Columbus, Georgia, and then, of course, the Clarion Ledger to the USA Today. You know, how did that come about? And ultimately, you became an NBA reporter for the USA Today. Well, the way I got to USA Today is that uh, the Gannett Company bought the uh, the Clarion Ledger, uh, so I was in that chain. And uh, in the early days of USA Today, they had what they would call what they called a loaner program, whereby writers from other papers in the uh, Gannett chain would uh, come to write to work at uh, USA Today like a 90-day period, and uh, their home newspaper would, you know, pick up their salaries uh, because USA Today was still struggling at that point to, uh, to show a profit, and that was one way to alleviate some of the financial burden on them. And, you know, people would come to USA Today for 90 days and then go back to their paper. So I came to USA Today on the loaner program in uh, uh, the spring of, uh, of 19... 85 and I been with Jackson but before after I went back uh, Henry Freeman who was the uh, 
managing editor for sports. Uh, you know, you know, I guess he, he liked uh, the work that I did, and uh, you know, he indicated that he would like you know to you know to bring me back, you know, as a permanent party. And uh, I returned uh, in January of uh, 1986, and uh, that's how it that's how it came about. And I started off as a general assignments writer, uh, you know, just covering whatever, but I was attached to the college desk, so I still did a lot of uh, college coverage, and I always, you know, kept an eye on uh, on SWAC and made sure that things that were, that were vote nationally, that, you know, they had a presence in USA Today, and not, not only uh, SWAC, but I tried to do that with all of the HBCUs, because uh, as we, we know, even now, that uh, their stories are not being told the way that they should be told uh, for whatever reason, but I, I, that, that was just something that I tried to take on myself to do. No question, and I think USA Today does a it still does a pretty solid job, uh, not just with HBCU, but you know, with with smaller schools uh, and such. But and you mentioned a general assignment guy and because I mean, I'll never forget the time. I mean, I got the chance to hang out with you my first NBA All-Star weekend in 07 in Las Vegas. And I'll never forget. I mean, it's something that will always stay with me is uh, when uh, David Stern, the commissioner at that time, there was like a a real intimate meeting with maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 reporters. And there was going to be an announcement between the NBA and Turner Sports. And uh, you introduced me to the uh, the commissioner Stern at that time, and he knew who you were, and everybody, you know, really knew who you were, which I, I just just mind blowing. But you know, talk about just your professionalism and how you know that time in the NBA, and you know, it was just a it seemed like just a a different time when you, you talk about the relationship between sports writers and players, and then of course league executives. Well, you know, my approach to to to, to my job was I, I wanted to be accurate and I wanted to be fair. And you know, you have some some writers uh, who you know just go after the story without regards to accuracy or fairness and balance and that kind of thing. And that was not not how I approached it. And I think. Uh, you know the people that I covered came to appreciate that, and uh, I think I, I would like to think they respected me for that. Now I I didn't always write things that were complimentary of whoever it was I was co- covering, and uh, you know, but you know I just tried to impress upon them that you know we all have a job to do, and my job is to you know write about what what your organization uh, does, good or bad. And you know that that's just how I approached it, and uh, you know, and, and and that's how you know you carry yourself in such a way that uh, no one will question your integrity. You know, and, 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 and you know that means you know just being straight up. And you know, it, it, there was a, a a guy in uh, Mississippi uh, who played basketball at at Alcorn. Uh, named Gilbert Thompson and he went on to become an agent and you know this was during the period when agents really had a had a sordid reputation and you know we would talk and and I told him I said look Gilbert now if you screw up 
can I get this? You know, you know, you're my guy. But if you screw up, I'm going to write about you. And I'm going to spell your name correctly too. <laughs> so just to let him know, <laughs> you know, not to expect any, you know, favoritism from me because, uh, you know, that that I mean, you know, my name and my reputation I felt was all that I had, and you know, I wasn't going to jeopardize that, you know, for him or anybody else. And you know, I still feel that way. No, no, no question about it. Roscoe Nance joining us here. We're talking about his career, of course, uh, recently inducted into the SWAC Hall of Fame. And, you know, Roscoe, what's one of your most memorable moments as a sports writer? Wow. <laughs> so many, right? There are, there are a lot. One, you know, was covering those great uh, all-corn basketball teams and the uh you know, late seventies and early eighties with uh you know, Dave Whitney as coach and you know, Larry Smith, uh uh, uh, uh Joe Jenkins, uh later on, uh Eddie Archie, Aaron Brandon, Michael Phelps, uh Tommy Collier. You know, I mean that that those teams, you know, they went to the NCAA tournament, uh NIT tournament and they're the greatest legacy, you know, in addition to having won games in those tournaments is that they never lost by more than 10 points. They were always competitive, even though they played the likes of LSU, Indiana, Kansas, Georgetown. You know, they were always in the game. And that, that uh, I think, uh, did a lot to open pe- people's eyes about the quality of uh, black college basketball. And as far as uh, football, uh, I, I guess the, the, the biggest moment was uh, the 1984 uh, showdown between Alcorn and uh, Mississippi Valley State uh, in Jackson. Uh, I mean, it was a, a standing room crowd at the uh, Veterans Memorial Stadium, which you know seats uh, uh, 62,512, and people were just jam-packed, standing in the aisles, people outside. You know, trying to get in, couldn't get in. I mean, and, and it was a great game. You know, just uh, an iconic matchup, you know, with uh, uh, Archie Cooley's uh, satellite offense with Jerry Rice and Willie Totten and uh, Carl Byram and a cast of thousands against the godfather, Marino Castle and his tunnel defense with Ike Holt in the uh, Soul Patrol defensive secondary, uh, and it was just, it was a great game. And uh, Alcorn won it 42 to 28, uh, but that was truly one of the uh, great, great, great moments in uh, black college uh, football. And uh, you know, let I me mean, just you know seeing uh, Oil Can Boyd pitch at Jackson State. Uh, I mean, he was he was a tremendous pitcher and supremely confident. Uh, you know, and he would always say. And nobody gets a hit unless you know I want them to get a hit. I mean, they will play the likes of Mississippi State, and you know, which was one of the top-ranked programs. And you know they would you know have some epic battles uh, in uh, Southern's baseball team with uh, Roger Cater, who is still there doing an outstanding job, and Grambling's great baseball teams with uh, Wilbert Ellis's coach. Uh, uh, you know, I mean they just have so many. There was just so many, many uh, great moments. Uh, the uh, first one uh, AA playoff with Jackson State in uh, Florida and M at, uh, at Veterans Stadium. You know, for, I mean, in, <laughs> it was so cold that 
you know, icicles were on the bleachers. Uh, you know, in Florida, and M won that game and went on to win the national championship. Uh, so, you know, just and, 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 and some of the times that I cherish, you know, was just the, you know the conversations that I would have with uh, Coach Robinson, uh, and you know, just the pearls of wisdom that he would share, and uh, you know, it, I felt the way that you felt when you know you was mentioned that uh, David Stern knew who I was, mm-hmm. you know, and in, in, in talking to uh, Coach Robinson and for him to know who I was, that just meant so much to me that, you know, he is the great Eddie Robinson who actually knows my name, you know, because, you know, you think about over his long career the number of people that he's met, but, you know, he was just that kind of a person uh, to uh Know, remember people and uh, you know make them feel make them feel special. And I think that was part of his uh, of his greatness in how he got uh, the kids at Gram Grambling you know to play so hard and so well for him is that he he really made them feel special. Man, unbelievable! I mean, great stories. You hear the names, uh, of course, Roscoe Nance. Now in the SWAC Hall of Fame, he joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row and uh, continues to do uh, so much as it relates. And then I guess lastly, um, Roscoe, you're still doing a lot with the Black College Football Hall of Fame and, you know, Black America Web, the SWAC and the MIAC. You're still staying uh, staying pretty busy, right? Uh, yes, I am. Uh, uh, one of the things that uh, I'm, I'm chairman of the uh Selection Committee for the Black College Football Hall of Fame with the induction ceremony is on uh, uh, February 28th in Atlanta. Uh, and uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a handful because there are so many, so many uh, deserving candidates uh, that it's impossible, you know, really almost impossible to, uh, to, to, to narrow it down. And I'm also president of the SWAC Alumni Association. Uh, and each year we do a uh, Legends Reception where we uh, present Lifetime Achievement Awards to uh, uh, you know, icons and legends of the conference for their contributions uh, to the conference. And we also present the Chuck Prophet uh, Wagon Master Award to uh, employees of a SWAC uh member school for their uh, contribution and dedication to their uh, universities and to the conference. And that's named for Chuck Prophet, who was the SID and uh, athletic director at Mississippi Valley for quite a few years, who passed in uh, 2008, uh, who did an outstanding job. And we just wanted to recognize him for his his efforts. So, uh, and, you know, I I still do some freelance writing uh, Focusing on, on on the HBCUs, so I, I just try to try to stay involved and, and do what I can. Absolutely. Well, once again, Roscoe Nance recently inducted into the SWAC Hall of Fame as he joins us here on from the press box to press row, telling his story that boy goes back uh, uh, quite a while. And you heard him mention, of course, the names of you know Eddie Robinson and. Uh, all of those great names. And, Roscoe, once again, my friend, congratulations, man. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, we, we talk and you still do a lot uh, for us here at BoxerRow.com, man. Continued success in everything you do. Well, Donald, I, I appreciate that. And, and, and let me say this lastly. I, going into the Swag Hall of Fame, 
uh, I feel like uh, Marv Throneberry, you know, in the old Middle Light commercial where they have all these uh, great superstar former athletes in these commercials, and he comes on, and Throneberry probably hit 200 during his career, and he says, you know, I still don't know why they want me in this commercial, and that's how I feel, you know, being surrounded by those great, great athletes and administrators in the SWAC Hall of Fame, you know, I still don't know why they uh, want me there, but uh, I'm glad to be there, and I'll take it. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Sounds good. We'll talk with you real soon. Okay, Donald. Thanks. So I hope that interview, again, that was from back in 2015, uh, allowed you to get a feel for a lot of the great work that Roscoe Nance did. I mean, you talk about a walking encyclopedia. I mean, look at all of those uh, people that he had a chance to cover. Uh, really, uh, when you look at it, maybe at the height uh, of HBCU sports, and um, wow, just uh, unbelievable loss for the HBCU world. Um, services for Roscoe in Virginia uh, on Tuesday, January 14th. The visitation is going to be from 10 to 11. The funeral is at 11 o'clock. It's at First Baptist Church of Vienna. And the address is 450 Orchard Street. That's in Vienna, Virginia, 22180. Uh, again, visitation from 10 to 11. The funeral is at 11 o'clock. And then uh, for those in Union Springs, Alabama, which is where Roscoe was from, you heard that uh, in the uh, in the piece that we had with him back in 2015. That's going to take place on Friday, uh, January 17th. The visitation will be from 10 to 11 and the funeral is going to be at 11 o'clock. The internment is going to be at Fort Mitchell uh, National Cemetery. And uh, so I uh, want you to be mindful of that, Fort Mitchell, Alabama. And uh, for more information, uh, you can uh, go to my personal Facebook page for more information about where the uh, visitation and funeral are going to be in Fort Union Springs, uh, excuse me, in Union Springs, Alabama. In Union Springs, Alabama, go to my personal uh, Facebook page uh, at Donald Ware. So again, this is a special edition of the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, and we may do some of these from time to time. Probably our next one's going to take place, and you just never know. Uh, you just want to continue to stay locked in to BoxToRow.com. You want to continue to tell friends about the HBCU Football Daily Podcast where they can download uh, and listen uh, on our website at BoxToRow.com as well as iHeartMedia.com. Probably our next one going to be right around um, National Signing Day, first Wednesday in we February. We'll have something day. shortly thereafter, maybe certainly by that Friday. Uh, if, uh, listen, you all be safe, be easy, and I'll talk with you real soon. The world won't get no better if we just let it be. Gotta change it now, just you and me.